So hi, my name is Tom Cito, and I'm a professional animator, cartoonist, and a professor of animation at the University of Southern California. I'm the author of a couple of books, and uh, an animator at Disney, at Hanna-Barbera, at Warner Brothers, at all the major studios. And I was fortunate enough to know a lot of classic um, animation artists you know, in, in their time. So we're going to talk a little bit about the exhibit here, about the animation show. And, uh, and, and some of the treasures that you have therein. So if you have some great stuff. Uh, you could start with uh, the Walt Disney Studios of iWorks of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Um, Oswald was, the original was one of the original characters that Disney was trying out at the beginning of his, of his studio. Of iWorks is from a Dutch name, like Uba Eilberg. Uh He was the designer of Mickey Mouse. He created Mickey Mouse. And originally, they were working with the Oswald character, but through a contractual argument with his distributor, Walt lost the rights to Oswald. And that's why, um, on, on the rebound, they designed Mickey Mouse. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, below that is Flowers and Trees, which was the first Technicolor film, uh, the first Technicolor animated cartoon. And it was like, and it was the first animated cartoon to win an Oscar for, for Best Animated Short. Uh, Disney had a deal with Technicolor, with Dr. Herbert Kalmus, to, uh, to, to create a film in Technicolor because it would showcase the brightness of his, of his color technique for film. Uh, let's see. Then we got the Warner Brothers Studio, a big shot now. It's from, an old, uh, from one of the old Merry Melodies from that time period. It's, not, it's interesting that it's in color, too, because a lot of the stuff was still being done in black and white, so they must have segued over to color by then. Um, below that is the Fleischer Studio screen songs. Uh, at the beginning of the 1930s um, is when sound had just become big, and all this, all these cartoons had to be all singing, all singing, all dancing, and all that stuff. And a lot of times you would like sing-alongs with a little bouncing ball, and you followed the lyrics along. So this is one that's still from that. Uh, in 1933. The Fleischer Studio made a deal with uh, uh, King Features and the cartoonist Elsie Seagar to use his famous character Popeye. And Popeye was a very popular character in the mid-30s. In fact, I believe by late, like 35 or 36, he actually surpassed Mickey Mouse in popularity. So doing cartoons with Mickey was, uh, was a very big deal. Below that is uh, Poop Deck Pappy. And uh, from one of, the, one of the original cartoons, it's like an original rough drawing. It's beautiful to see these rough drawings because you kind of see the raw thinking on paper as, as people are designing it. Uh, so then while, the, while Disney was, was battling away with Fleischer's and Warner Brothers with shorts, he went ahead with this idea to do a feature film. And uh, this is from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And you notice it's much more realistic looking. That was what they called a rotoscope technique, where they would film an actor, and then they would actually take each frame of film, blow it up on a, on a, on a what they call a Lucy, you know, so, so you, would, you would see it you know, with a light behind it, and then trace it over. So you would get that human kind of movement. It was used for like very serious, more realistic characters. Just like below here, the Fleischer Studios using Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver uh, was an excellent use of, uh, of uh, uh, rotoscoping technique. And uh, the Gulliver's Travels was sort of Max's answer to Snow White to try to compete with him. Uh, above it is a rough drawing, a rough storyboard, you know, like sort of gag drawing for, uh, you know, for, for to be used in the film later. 
And then for these two, uh, Ladybug, uh, which was Ladybug was another kind of, you know, it was MGM kind of joined the whole thing lately, you know, sort of a little later than the other studios. And they were trying some very different ideas for, for cartoons until they hit on the characters, Tom and Jerry. And then and that became their staple. The final one down here on this first wall is Mr. Bug Goes to Town. And Mr. Bug was Max Fleischer's sort of last attempt to try to catch Walt Disney and do a big high quality feature film with like some big music and all. The film came out like three days before Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so it's just like the, the audience wasn't there. Like people just did, you know, they were just so depressed. Nobody wanted to see anything, you know, which was a shame because it was a beautiful film. So continuing on, some stuff from Fantasia, from the Disney studio, which is magnificent panels and all. Beautiful hand-drawn, hand-painted, you know, hand-inked. You know, it's a lot, of the, uh, the, a lot of the sort of fine pinks and grays and everything were hand-inked by brush. You know, by some extraordinarily ladies who don't get enough credit for, you know, because usually the animator gets the credit who's drawing the movement. But there was a lot of imp important work done to create that sort of uh, beautiful line quality on, on these frames. Uh, above that is a, is a rough panel of Jules Angle. Jules was an art director and designer. So he's not so much worried about the motion of the characters as the design and how do you make the design work. And then let's see something from Sorcerer's Apprentice, which again too, which is another like one of the key points of, uh, of Fantasia and a little bit from the Nutcracker Suite. Just, just really, really beautiful work. When you think this is all done by hand, you know, it's just extraordinary. Uh, Donald Duck and the Orphan's Benefit, that was like one of the early, uh, you know, it's actually sort of a, a remake of the 1934 one. And uh, Norm Ferguson was the lead animator on Donald, and that's Donald doing his famous fighting stance. So when Donald gets angry, he does this little squat with, with one arm extended and that, that everybody recognized. Uh, see below that is some stuff from Peter Pan, some other beautiful, beautiful work. You know, uh, you notice the registration system. That's particularly the Disney system because it, it was using two systems of pegs. There was the regular sort of acme size peg, and the Disney, the early Disney Studio pegs was just the two holes. So it's basically been punched twice so that they could read, they could use the paper. Great stuff from the Jungle Book. Al Dempster was like one of the lead. One of the uh, lead background artists at the studio uh, did a lot of terrific work. These are sort of like studies for like the final, what the final uh, painting will look like, just to get some rough ideas, you know, work out some of the problems of the lighting and composition. Okay, some Alice in Wonderland, Joe. Yeah, Joe was a good friend of mine. He's a sweetie. But um, Joe was a sort of an idea gag guy designer, so he would do a lot of... Uh, a lot of clever, like sort of little gag ideas that they would use in the cartoons later. Joe started at the studio in 1934 on Three Little Pigs, and he went all the way to The Incredibles. He was still working on stuff, you know, in the 1990s and all. I think he died in, in 2005 at 97. He was drawing. <laughs> he finished a drawing. <laughs> I was very impressed with him. And a funny little uh, little drawing underneath too of, of of Mickey, you know. Now that you know, like he's not as famous as Donald. It's like Donald and Walt are like hanging out together, and he's out in the cold. Uh, again, there's some uh, some some uh, early uh, uh, MGM animation of Tom and Jerry, and uh, it was done at the uh, for the MGM studio. That was Hannah and Barbera when they were doing their theatrical work. Early design of Tom from Tom and Jerry. 
Uh, see, then when the Fleischer Studios uh, collapsed after the failure of um, of uh, uh, the uh, um, was it the bugs uh, the uh, uh, the bug film I forgot the name what, what's the name of the bug film yet uh, oh yeah Mr. Bug goes to town uh, Paramount seized the company got rid of the Fleischers then reorganized it. Uh, as Famous Studios, Famous Studios Paramount. So they kept the artists, and they just got rid of uh, Max and Dave Fleischer. And they continued on doing shorts with Herman and Catnip, uh, and uh, basically looking for another type of character. You know, they, they used to call those kind of films pursuit films, or cat chases to rat films. <laughs> so it's like Tom and Jerry, Herman and Catnip, maybe, you know, it's like, it was always the same thing. It was always like uh, one animal trying to eat another animal, you know. Um, and yeah, yeah oh, it's good. Famous Studios is another one with the Goose character. Like none of these things were as successful, you know. But uh, and then you had the Walter Land Studio, and they were doing their product at the same time. They started up. Their big one was was uh, Woody Woodpecker. And, you know, as you see below here in Wild and Woolly by 1945. So that uh, Wild and Woolly, uh, you know, uh, Woody Woodpecker was a very popular character in the 1940s. You know, it was a very funny little thing. Okay, then we got some Bugs Bunnies here, we see. Some great-looking bug stuff. And uh, some stuff with the Buzzy Buzzard and, and the little lion there. See, that, that kind of drawing is what we call a layout drawing. And actually, it looks like a design for the, for the titles. Probably for the title cards, probably like a rough design. So it wouldn't be part of the final animation, but it would be sort of an indication of what the scene's going to look like. Okay, there's some Foghorn Leghorn and everything. It was a popular character with the, I forgot, the, the, the Prissy uh, Chicken character. I f forgot her name exactly. And uh, let's see, and, and then, yeah, and then a later one, another Bugs Bunny in that time period. Now, at the top here, at 1001 Nights, this is... Uh, was called UPA Film, which is United Productions of America. And uh, basically, all the way up until the early 1940s, all the cartoons were tending towards uh, trying to be more realistic, very atmospheric, very storybook-like. But uh, the individual artists were a little uh, aesthetically exhausted, and they wanted to do something different. So it's what they call the UPA Revolution, which was a lot of artists who were former Disney artists and Warner Brothers artists got together at this studio called UPA, and they wanted to follow a modern, more graphic style, you know, which became like the style of the 1950s and 60s, where it's that very simple, sort of like flat graphic. You know, they were very influenced by Mondrian, by uh, Miro, by the Mexican muralists like, uh, you know, uh, Rivera and Siguetos and all. And they wanted to do things in that style, not just the same old storybook style. So after 1947 and, and then into the 50s, you start to see. The, the designs get much more simpler, more direct primary colors and flatter sort of style, which is that 50s look. Now, television, which began, you know, like again, so like 1949, uh, Crusader Rabbit was the first TV and uh, was the first cartoon done specifically for television, not for theater. And they had to work much more simply. And you notice the images are large and they're very simple. That's because it had to read on the weak resolution of a TV set. So that's, uh, so that's Crusader Rabbit and Rags, you know, his, his, his friend. 
Um, uh, a lot of that was done here in the Bay Area by, uh, you know, by uh, Jay Ward, you know, and uh, does, who later on did Rocky and Bullwinkle. And then you have some more some stuff here from, from Hanna Barbera. In 1957, when MGM closed its theatrical unit, Bill and Joe, Hanna and Barbera, started their own company doing television. And they became very successful in the 60s, doing some very popular TV series. And Quick Joe McGraw was one of them. Um, uh, you know, and again, it was like doing animation specifically for television. So it's a bunch simpler designs. Not, it's not as the animation is as elaborate as theatrical, but it's, it's just it's very entertaining stuff. Uh, this uh, music sheet here is by Carl Stalling, and Stalling was the great musicologist, composer of the of the Warner Brothers cartoons. And when you look at, uh, uh, you know, when uh, you know, and if you know serious music and you listen to it, Stalling put a lot of classical music in a lot of his films. So there's a lot of like von Suppé, there's some Beethoven. Uh, when you hear giant, uh, you know, when there's a giant character like Frankenstein, he plays the Frost Giants music from Wagner's Das Rheingold. Uh, there's a little bit of the Beethoven Eroica Symphony, Von Suppe, the Poet and Peasant Overture, the Light Cavalry Overture. Uh, all these things are all just worked in these little 10-second bites. And uh, so it's a workout for the, audience, uh, for the orchestra. But the orchestra, actually, I knew some musicians who said they had a lot of fun working on it. So. Uh, again, Hanna-Barbera Studios, but it's Maurice Noble, and Maurice was Chuck Jones's great designer. And again, he, he was playing off the UPA sort of style, doing very uh, simple but very sort of uh, visually striking kind of imagery. The, a really good design like this always looks a little empty because it needs the character. And you can see the, the, the sort of like basic drawing there, rough drawing, and that's, the, that's where the character is going to occupy the frame because he's the focus of attention. Okay. Over here, are some more uh, J. Ward storyboards. Uh, you know, might have been done by Chris Jenkins. Might have been done. Uh, you know, so, uh, was a uh, maybe Gerald Baldwin. Uh, it's very uh, again. It's very, it's very simple because it's made for television and it's made to be read on a small screen. So. Hanna Barbera, there's a Megillah Gorilla show. The Megillah Gorilla was a very popular character in the '60s. If you notice the way the character ends, it's because. Uh, which they only painted to an area beyond where the camera was going to photograph. So probably the, the camera was fielded in more so that you wouldn't see the rest of him. So you didn't bother to draw it. So that's why it just kind of ends there in the center. Um, below is Bill Melendez's uh, work for the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Of course, he did Charlie Brown Christmas. Worked with Charles Schultz personally himself. And uh, you know, Bill had been an animator at Warner Brothers and at Disney before working with Schultz on the uh, on the on, on the uh, Peanuts specials. And he did he directed most of the of the uh, uh, Charlie Brown TV specials and commercials. Okay, so over here we get into more eclectic stuff. Sally Crookshank's Quasi at the Cocadero is more of an experimental film, but it was a very popular in its time. It's like sort of a non-objective, more conceptual sort of abstract work, but uh, some great stuff. Uh, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings was done in the 70s, and it was the first attempt to try to do Lord of the Rings and sort of bring it to the screen. Um, 
I know it doesn't quite look like the movie that you're all used to seeing, but uh, when you think about it, Peter Jackson, who is the director of the later Lord of the Rings, saw this film as a young man and was so inspired. He said, I want to do Lord of the Rings someday. You know, like he, he gives you know, Ralph credit that, that this is the thing that motivated him to want to make the film. Uh, let's see. And then Heavy Metal was another experimental work that where was trying to sort of take the spirit of the comic book, uh, you know, of the, uh, of the French magazine, Heavy Metal, and do these sort of more adult-oriented uh, sci-fi stories. The Tarna sequence, yeah, that was like part of it. And he got some famous artists like Bernie Wrightson and all to, uh, to create designs for this feature film around, uh, yeah, 81, 82. And then at the same time, you had the stuff happening over in Japan. So. Here's some, uh, here's some some Tatsunoko productions. I'm not quite sure about that one. I don't know that one well. But the other one here, Akira by uh, Otomo, was one of the first breakthrough um, anime films to become very popular in the United States. Um, the, some of the original Tezuka stuff it was done in the 1960s, and it was always sort of marginal. It was a very strong fan base for it. But it wasn't sort of accepted by the general public until Akira. And then Akira was like one of the first ones that everybody started to say, wow, you know, there's some really exciting stuff being done in Japan. Okay, and over here we have more TV stuff. Uh, the Smurfs originally started as a Belgian, as a Belgian comic, I think it was Strumpf or something like that. And uh, Hanna-Barbera took it up and did very well, a very successful campaign with that. Strawberry Shortcake was like one of the first great sort of merchandised sort of um, packaged series done in the early 80s, where it was like sort of a, a merchandising thing as well as a TV show. And uh, it, it was very a popular series in its time. As was Inspector Gadget. It was Nelvana. It was a Canadian studio uh, based in Toronto. Um, then over here, we have the, the Filmation Studio doing He-Man and She-Ra, which is a series that I worked on as well. And, uh, you know, we'd all walk around the studio going, hey, man, <laughs> to, to one another. And, uh, again, it was a very popular stu uh, uh, show in the 1980s, and all, as, well, as well as Shira was, was very popular. Then the Disney studio in the late 80s started to get into television a little more seriously. And they, they hired a, uh, was it, a, they formed a, a television unit to do shows. And one of their shows was the Winnie the Pooh show. Uh, see, you know, so we got here, and we have some great examples of commercial work: the uh, Kellogg's cereal, and then later Captain Crunch. In the 1960s, there's a lot of beautiful work being done, uh, you know, and then into the 80s of, uh, of uh, you know, basically you know pitching cereal, but there's some some very strong artwork being done for it. And then we got some Scooby-Doo, <laughs> which was a, 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 also a very popular character in the 70s and 80s. And uh, this is like, yeah, yeah, sort of like basic models that the artists would work from uh, in, in, uh, in creating like new, new uh, shows. Okay, so it is a Little Mermaid. So it's like Ariel and Elsa, I, I, I'm sorry, Ursula. Uh, uh, in in uh, the original sequence, uh, Little Mermaid was like one of the last uh, uh, hand-painted uh, uh, and animated, uh, you, you know, features at Disney. Afterwards, they shifted over to digital paint, and uh, we have a Beauty and the Beast there underneath of Cogsworth and Lumiere. Uh, 
um, from Beauty and the Beast. And, but although these are sort of gallery cells, so they were created and everything. While the, the mermaid one is actually, was actually in the picture, the uh, gallery cells were kind of like used later and everything for promotional stuff. But uh, still, you see some, some beautiful, it's still hand-drawn, still beautifully drawn. Um, okay, Klasky Chupo was a, a show, was a, uh, a series that started in what we call the animation renaissance, which was like sort of about 1989, 1990, when there was this big explosion of, of uh, new cartoons, exciting, you know, most importantly, you know, things like The Simpsons and uh, uh, Family Guy and all, but uh, Rugrats was a very popular series at that time. It was very big. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that was very big, started in 1987. And all, and uh, so you can see little rough drawings. The, the the little notations on it, the little numbers and all, that's the spacing charts. So the animator would do the keyframes, beginning and ending, and then he would make indications to the assistant how many additional drawings needed to be between the two key poses. So, and it's a little a little uh. Roger Rabbit, and everything was the stuff that I worked on. So this, this is my drawing specifically, but uh, it was one of the later shorts, Trail Mix-Up, with, with Roger and Baby Herman. And, uh, you know, you see the, the rough blue drawing underneath and then the finished or tied down cleanup sort of in black on top. Uh, and then some more television work here. The Tick was very popular. That was that was a very big series. And then Warner Brothers, you know, Warner Brothers had kind of gone stale in the '60s, and was sort of out of it for a while. And then restarted again around 1985. And then uh, th their big breakthrough was with the you know, Batman, you know, Batman Beyond series and all, getting back into an older sort of comic book kind of style with uh, Will Minio and 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 those with Paul Dini, and. Um, as the character of Harley Quinn came on really big and all. And uh, uh, a whole, you know, popular franchise using, uh, uh, using the, the DC characters. Uh, see, so we have some Simpsons here, some stuff from my old friend David Silverman, some of his original storyboards. And you kind of see how they sort of design out the characters and all. And, uh, you know, and a bunch of, a few other stills. And for like what is now like one of the most popular series in television history, going on its 30th year. And also, I remember when David was starting the series and telling him, David, why don't you get a real job? You know, it's <laughs> like, okay, I'm wrong. What are you going to do? <laughs> so, uh, Dexter's Labs, another popular show. It started out as a, as a student film. And everything. I mean, Van Partable did a did a great student uh, project that everybody got a kick out of. As was the Powerpuff Girls, but that was also originally a student film. The original name of the Powerpuff Girls was the Whoop Ass Girls, <laughs> but they thought, well, I got to change that name. Can't really have that for for, for children's television. So, so, but you know, the whole thing make, making a spoof on a sort of '60s anime kind of look. So. And there we go. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the museum. So bye-bye for now.